0: privacy that's iphone or at least that was the idea this week on download this show why privacy advocates have serious concerns about a brand new plan from the computer giant plus instagram influencers are angry facebook is creating their own meta universe and it turns out you no longer actually need to take a nude photo of yourself for someone still to be able to share illicit images of you seriously people really really This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Mark Fennell and welcome to Download This Show. Yes, indeed. It is a brand new episode of Download This Show. Joining us from the sunny western coast of WA. I mean, I don't know what else the WA was supposed to be. (laughs) Coffee. Meg coffee, social media strategist, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm good. I'm good and happy to be in WA, that's for sure.
0: From his home in Sydney, Ben Grubb, editor of Innovation
2: Oz. Welcome back to Download the Show. Thank you. It's been a while. Very much looking forward to uh, talking all things technology and more.
0: And congratulations on the new job at Innovation Oz.
2: Thank you. It's only day two. Uh, so. <laughs> Still time to screw it up, buddy. Still time. <laughs>
0: Uh, and of course, I'm also in Sydney recording from my home. So if you hear children squealing in the background, uh, it's because I'm neglecting them. All right. Uh, first up this week, Apple. Uh, Apple, of course, famously have advertised themselves as being the tech company that's interested in privacy. But they've actually created a bit of a stir with something new that they've proposed. Meg, introduce me to Neural Match. What is it?
1: So what Apple's proposing to do is is basically look through the photos on your device after they've been taken. So not uploaded to the internet or anything, just photos on your device and scan them for certain things in this case child pornography. And it's done through a series of, of data that's that sort of and hashes that are overlaid on your photo when it's taken. And you can, there's this software that will look for these hashes. And if it finds enough of the right code, then it will put a flag up, is the easiest way to explain it.
0: So undeniably a noble goal. But I think one of the complicating factors here, Ben, is that Apple have always sort of sold themselves, particularly in light of recent news with Google and Facebook, they've always sold themselves as being the privacy-friendly tech company. And this complicates that narrative a little bit, doesn't it, Ben?
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, they've talked about previously that, you know, you can go with Google if you want your life kind of sold to advertisers or you can come to us and pay a premium and get that kind of protected world. Now, everyone, I think, can agree that eliminating that type of material should be an objective of the world and companies should be a part of that. But I think that this really does open up kind of Pandora's box to all sorts of other things that could be searched for if they task the tool that is searching through the hashes with searching for things that aren't that type of material. So you could see if there are countries that outlaw homosexuality, maybe they could search for terms around that. They could search for political dissidents, people kind of causing civil disobedience, all sorts of things. It really does become a thin edge of the wedge argument. So. Apple seems to be able... The the way that they've built this is that uh, they can only tell that matches were found once a sufficient number of photos have, have been matched against a preset threshold. So they won't say what that threshold is, but once it reaches whatever that threshold is, it alerts Apple, and then they can then review the content and then decide to hand that over to some of the authorities that look into this type of thing, and they'll disable the account. So... I would say that I am concerned about what this enables. They have said that if you don't turn on your iCloud photos, then you are not part of that part of it that is searching deliberately for the child abuse material. But
1: who's not going to so, turn on their iCloud photos? Like that's the whole point of having it because it backs it up to the cloud.
2: Indeed. And it's become a part of, I think, most people's use of their phones is having that backup in the cloud and you're actually starting to see now I think less of a demand for people to host data on their phone and they are in fact offloading it onto the cloud because it's often cheaper and because the internet is getting a bit faster now that is the default way of you know storing your content so this would affect most people I guess if you're, if you're that type of person so I, I would say overall that this is causing a lot of friction and, and concern amongst this user base because it's not that this is, is necessarily bad, it's what it enables. It, it's that talk of a backdoor in your phone that's been lingering for a while now and Australia seems to be leading on the legislation front and now it seems to be becoming a, a reality. Child sexual exploitation material is
0: growing, right? So there's 45 million images that have been flagged recently. Is this the best way of tackling that though, Meg?
1: Yes, something needs to be done. Like that's, that's not up for debate. We look at this and it's a, you know, it's, it's a positive thing. And, and if we can find these people that are sharing these images through this new technology, that's great. But it's the potential of where we go from here. And that all of a sudden, everybody's carrying, you know, little surveillance tools in their back pocket. I mean, they already are. Your, your phones do track everything you do. But it's just, it's one more chip away at privacy that we have. So I, I look at this and, I mean morally and ethically, you go, no, no, we definitely need this. We we, we have to have this because it's anything that we can do to stop the dissemination of this information is good. But then again, what if you live in a country where it's a different type of information and they, you know, not everybody has the same free speech like we have. I just it's it's dangerous. It's 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 the start of something dangerous, I think.
0: I feel quite conflicted about it because you do want this stuff to be found and and you do want a technological solution to it. I think the thing that stands out to me in this issue is that that they can reach into people's phones. I think that's the part I didn't expect, because so much of what they sell about Apple is that it happens locally on, on the hardware, and it's not something that gets pushed out to a, a database. Tell me if I'm getting that wrong, though, Ben.
2: Partly. So what they're doing is they're doing a lot of the matching on the phone. They're, they're getting your photo, they're turning it into a hash, then you're uploading your photo, and it's at the upload point where they go, okay we've realized that you have one bit of content that is illegal by their definition of what illegal is. And then they see a number of those in the cloud and at that point they go, okay, we're going to have to look into this content. So your photos are encrypted on your device and that stays that way. But the thing that is happening locally is they're hashing all of your photos locally and then they've actually got all of the hashes of the bad content also on your phone locally. And I think it's just as a, a process to eliminate the demand on their servers that they do this part locally, but it's at the cloud point where they realize, oh, that's the case. So I think that they, they've really, they have thought about this, like to try and make it as least privacy intrusive as possible. But in the same, on the same token that this you can't really get around the fact that they are going through people's photos like in the cloud so if that makes sense it's it's happening locally and it's happening in the cloud but they're offloading a lot of it to the device itself
0: there is a real tension here It's, it's really complicated have apple given any assurances that whilst they are using it for this purpose they won't extend into using it for other purposes in different territories around the world have they
2: given any assurances along those lines well, Apple is notoriously a very quiet company, <laughs> aren't they? I would say that what I've seen uh, is that they've sent around some internal memos after this, in trying to reassure their own staff to ignore what they say is like the minority of people who are kind of, you know, against this idea. I think they're trying to re- reassure everyone that you know this is there is a noble cause here and this is for the for the good. But they haven't seen anything that I've said that that would would say that we're not going to do this in the future. I mean, if legislation comes along and says that they need to do something, then they're going to have to do it. I mean, you remember back to when this friction kind of came to a boiling point was when the terrorist in San Bernardino, they wanted the phone unlocked, the law enforcement, the FBI. And Apple actually said no at the time and they didn't have any legislation around. And I think that was when Australia was pursuing the idea of um, forcing companies to open up their devices and back then they had to go to security researchers who then sold them I think a a security floor for maybe a million dollars or so but now they're I guess being forced through various countries through the legislation changing Australia is a leader in that there's no doubt about that in making these companies cooperate and I think the U.S. has realized okay if Australia can do it we can do it too and it's important to note these new features are only going to be on U.S iPhones to start with. So perhaps that's something that we will see once Australia and other governments around the world will look to and they'll go, oh, if that's available on US phones, let's bring it here. Oh, and let's start doing more with this. Maybe we'll start using it for terrorism. Maybe we'll start using it for other types of crime.
1: They can't even bring out the COVID feature to Australia. Do you think they're actually going to bring out the um, child exploitation feature? I don't know. Makes me laugh. Apple and their features.
2: It's true, but I think that when you've got governments forcing, you know, these companies through legislation to do things, they are going to be required to do them. Download this show is what you're listening
0: to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture and make coffee. Instagram influencers are very upset about a change to Instagram. Can you explain to me why? Why?
1: Yes, the world is ending. It's caving in. So Instagram has come out and said, look, we're no longer a photo-sharing app. We are a video-sharing app, and we are all about video. And so creators have gone wild because they're saying, but... I don't do video. That's not me. I don't want to have to dance to sell my products or, you know, I take photographs of sunsets or I make things and, you know, I'm a, I'm a still photo person or I'm, a, I'm an artist that, you know, draws. Videos are just not my thing. And so they're in an uproar and they're saying, look, is Instagram still even the place for me? Maybe there's another platform that I should be going to that, that values my work a little bit more.
0: Is there another place for them to go to? I mean, TikTok's even more video than, than Instagram is.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I, I think there is, depending on the niche that they are. You know, a lot of creators, people that are making actual products can go to Etsy and sell their products on Etsy. Um, I think that you've got some niche platforms for art. I think that people are moving back towards this traditional email, believe it or not, actually collecting email addresses and and relying on their own websites for for brand awareness and for sales. So yeah, I do think there's other platforms. You got to look for it. I mean, no one's going to... It's like Facebook. Everyone says, oh, I hate Facebook. I'm not going to be on Facebook anymore. But we all go crawling back because it's the only place we can find people's birthdays. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's true. Isn't this just what happens, though, when you build your business on a, on a social media company that owes you nothing and can change things at the drop of a hat? Well,
2: I was just going to say, I just finished reading um, Tim Burroughs' Media Unmade, which is kind of a history of, you know, the 10 years of Australia's media industry where, you know, all of the news publishers moved towards video, as you said, and invested like a heck of a lot of their money uh, into it. And then it turned out that Facebook was fudging the numbers and they weren't actually that many people watching their videos. So TikTok is gaining a lot of engagement time. And that kind of engagement time is something that they want with Instagram and, and static photos aren't just going to, that's not enough. Then they move to carousels where you could flick through multiple photos. But the moving image is killer. They talked about video killing the radio star, but I think that video seems to be killing the static image star with Instagram and so they've just kind of um cannibalizing their own product and it is annoying its user base um i think that uh you know i, I you do you do hang, kind of have to dance to your own content right now and that did make me laugh um reading some of those influencers that were quite prominent in with static photos now having their audience dwindle away and thinking about how they can have them come back. I think there was an experiment that one did where they put the same piece of static kind of photo on Twitter and also on Instagram and they had a smaller number of followers on on Twitter uh, but it got about the same if not more people seeing it on Twitter than it did on Instagram because of the way that they switched their algorithm despite them having more followers on Instagram. So. I don't know what's next for where they can go to. I think that with most photographers, they're probably going to want to keep that kind of mainstream audience because the benefit of being on something like Instagram or TikTok is that it's not just the the photography people who are really interested in photos being on that platform. It's going to be the mainstream. It's going to be friends of friends and, and so on. And, So I think they're just going to have to pivot if they want to keep that kind of audience looking at their content or otherwise, you know, finding something similar to a Flickr where they can host it.
0: What do you reckon the future is, Meg?
1: Everyone should get on Twitter now. (laughs) um...
0: (laughs) It's literally the only time anyone suggested that is a good thing.
1: Yeah, see, uh, see, I love Twitter. And I know a lot of people complain about it and hate it. But I think that I think you can curate your own experience on Twitter and have a good one. I think the future is is definitely niche communities. I think when you look at the way that Facebook is succeeding at the moment, it's because of groups. It's not necessarily the Facebook platform itself. It's, it's where we can go and find niche communities. Yes, you'll still have to appeal to the mainstream. You'll still have to have a presence. We say Facebook is yellow pages. You have to have a page. I think Instagram is very much the same. You have to have an account. And if you don't, people will question your validity. But I think you... Um, Are you a real boy if you don't have 14 <laughs> accounts? <laughs> um, but I think I'm seeing a real shift back to, to website, to owned media, you know, your website and your email list that you can control, that you, um, as you said, you know, you're not at the whim of somebody else. You're not playing on rented land.
0: Hmm. All right. Actually, staying on this topic here on Download This Show, our guests are this week, Ben Grubb from Innovation Oz and social media strategist Meg Coffee. Mark Fidel is my name. If you've just tuned in, this is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. And we are talking about the broader Facebook universe because it's important to note that Instagram is part of Facebook. Facebook owns a range of different social media services. And as part of that, the founder, Mark Zuckerberg, has announced that they want to, <laughs> they want to become a meta-universe.
2: What is he talking about? Well, so we live in the universe on Earth. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. He he gets on his billionaire rocket ship and goes off to the metaverse uh, with all the other billionaires. No, the
1: metaverse (laughs) is, I
2: guess, that's what they're all planning to do, right? The metaverse is something where you're blending the real world with the virtual world And slowly and slowly, you know, you come together with things like augmented reality and virtual reality, those types of technologies, social networking and gaming, and you merge it and you put it all together and you end up with kind of metaverse. So I guess it's like the idea being you get all of these different technologies together and you build a metaverse and you would have seen that Facebook bought up the company Oculus uh, a while back, which was the virtual reality company. So they're making a move on gaming. And I think that the coronavirus pandemic has kind of brought about most people moving their lives online now and spending a lot of time on things like Facebook's own Instagram. And that's leading to people kind of, I think, investing more of their time and maybe even more of their money in these virtual worlds. You're starting to see people use non-fungible tokens to buy digital artwork, things that are not even accessible in the quote unquote real world. So as we spend more of our money and more of our time in the online world, I think it's going to merge into perhaps something that Facebook is hoping they'll call the metaverse, whatever that is, where people end up going to the club, you know, um, with maybe hologram versions of each other. It sounds so fun, doesn't it? I'm really sick of Zooms, to be honest. Uh, uh, I'm so over it, so I really don't know if they can make that kind of thing better, but and trivia on Zoom as well, really over that. Um, so hopefully they can make a, a better trivia uh, in this world that they're talking about or something that uh, we can all uh, get along together in this virtual world. Uh, personally, I prefer the real world. Uh, I'm not sure about you know whether all of our senses can be satisfied enough to go, okay, this is great. I would rather spend more time at home in the metaverse <laughs> with my Oculus uh, Headset on than I would outside, but I'm I'm still quite doubtful of that, considering we've tried to do it during the pandemic, maybe not with the best of technologies, but nothing is really comparable.
0: I think the the comparison of the experience of the last few years is the pandemic and the and the impact on how we relate Physically and virtually is a really important conversation. And that's going to create this sort of imbalance in people's existence, which I think is going to mean that, Meg, that there is going to be a market for an increasingly virtual world where you can move seamlessly from doing things physically to virtually. Does that sound right to you?
1: It feels a very minority report to me. Like I'm sitting in a bath of fluid with like wires attached to my head and I'm actually out living a life while I just, Float in this fluid. It's weird. I'm sorry. Like, there's very few things that leave me speechless, and this is one of those things that I'm like, but why? I I don't know. I I don't I don't get it. I I, I understand the, the the ability to move seamlessly through things. You know, like. It's much nicer to to have my Apple pay and not have to carry a wallet anymore, right? Um, or to be able to log into things with my face. There are things that are easier, but like, i' don't, I'm not ready to live in the fluid yet. It
2: kind of sounds like something that is um you know looking for a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. And I think that if we just work on building things on top of what we already have, then it might work out a little bit better. So making life a little bit better, using technology as an enabler to some of the things that where we have already have problems rather than trying to make us all live in this kind of online world that we're not all very used to. But I could be all wrong here and like we'll all love it and whatever, but I just feel like uh, it's something that the the fact that they can't really conceptualise what it is and that we have to explain what it is kind of suggests that maybe they don't know what they're, building either.
1: It feels very Avengers-like. I don't know, like someone's going to come down from the sky. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Finally,
0: here on the show, uh, we did start the program talking about online exploitation material. And in a sense, we're kind of ending with it too, but at a very different kind. So in the UK, there is a debate happening right now about a website, and it's one of a range of websites, to be honest with you, that, that offer a service if you can call it that, where in effect, you can upload a picture of a person clothed and then it will use AI to guess what they look like naked. It's a huge problem in terms of creating sexually explicit images of people that don't have those images even to begin with. The debate that's been raging in the UK, and I guess to some extent around the world, is do we need a different set of rules around exploitation material online when you have to consider things like AI, make?
1: I think we need a set of rules around your personal identity online, what your image is, what your name is. I think that I think as we go to create these new online lives and worlds, there does need to be regulation around owning your own identity, your voice, your image, and things like that. Then take in, yes, there need to be rules about online exploitation and I mean this just sounds like a bunch of frat boys that had too much free time these apps are stupid and, and they should not be allowed to to exist because we don't need it and it just it brings on just brings on issues i i don't know it things like this frustrate me
0: yeah but at the same time like there's at least a As far as I can tell, there's at least half a dozen of them. So they they they're growing. They're not shrinking. Oh
1: yeah, no, because you know it's every. You know, I, I did laugh at the line. It was like make all men's dreams come true. It's fascinating to me that these only make women naked. They don't actually have the AI yet to see what the men would look like naked. You know, so it's very sexualized and one-sided. And I I do think we need legislation around this. There need to be rules and regulations around it, especially owning your own identity, because it just creates so many problems. It's your head on someone else's body.
0: I think that point about owning your identity, the entirety of online is really interesting. Ben, in terms of the laws around this. Obviously they vary from country to country. We're talking about something that's often referred to as a form of revenge porn, but it's kind of broader than that in many ways. What are the rules at the moment, at least in Australia?
2: So my understanding is that we've got a new cyber safety person inside the government who has been appointed as an independent office to look over stuff that would constitute as bullying online, and I think that something like this would fall into that uh, space. so, I suspect that people would be able to report it to that office and then they can look into it. But we are Australia, we're not in the US, whether or not that person has enough powers to co-opt you know, the people that are behind this to take down something like this or take down an individual AI image of someone is really questionable. So. I think that in the US it would be a lot easier um, and that's where this kind of debate would really kind of have to happen. I mean, at the moment it's happening, as, as we mentioned, in the UK and they're trying to stand up a, a debate about it in, in Parliament. But maybe something like this also brings up the idea that you might need to have in the future tools that uses AI itself to look at AI-developed content to go, oh, this was developed by AI, this is a fake image. Um, because we're probably going to need that soon when you're already seeing moving images and deep fakes that are made using these types of technology. We're going to have to have the counter technology that actually says, no, these are not my, you know, someone's going to be able to have to prove the, the opposite, that this is actually not me.
0: Do you think people are taking this seriously enough, Meg?
1: No. I think that it's it's all moving so fast and it's new and it's fun. And there's those of us that want to be ever the optimist and go, no, I'm just playing. Like, think of all the good things that this is going to do. And no one ever actually takes the time to to see what the negative things could be. Like, you know, you go like with the Apple thing, you go, you know, it's fantastic, we can we can find all this child exploitation. Oh, but what's the trade-off? What's the privacy? You know, everyone was quick to sign up to Facebook and hand over all their data to Google. And it's only now that they're just sort of going, oh, what were the repercussions of that? So I think that that with AI, we are moving a bit too fast and not necessarily thinking about the repercussions and the long-term impact. In our, and are these features that are amazing What's the downside to it? Because there's, there's always a downside to things.
2: How do you feel, Ben? I I just started reading 1984. Um, just, <laughs> 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 because the, the kind of conversations that we've actually been having today are really about the stuff that was kind of predicted in the past, and I think that we're starting to see a fair bit of it come true. I haven't finished reading it yet. I I remember reading... Um, some it's a of really it positive I ending.
1: In, <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading some of it. Wow, it, hope it is great.
2: <laughs> I think we we are the maybe we are the ending of the story, uh, but hopefully we we veer a, a corner to the positive um, because we, I really hope that we do look for solutions because whenever there is a negative, we should out, you know as I said, we should find technology that says we'll no, this is wrong, this is incorrect, and I mean perhaps we are looking at more of a future where the internet is regulated. Like if you look at all past mediums um, or types of media, they start off unregulated and they slowly become more and more regulated. I think that perhaps we're going to have to move into a future where governments do become more involved, as we're seeing with the Apple, you know, them moving into looking at photos within people's uh, libraries that are uploaded online and people can choose whether or not to have that content uploaded online, you know, there's a convenience for most people to do so. And then in this type of space where fake imagery and deep fakes happen, I think the same kind of thing where, you know, hopefully we can develop, you know, technologies that counteract, and, you know, that you are going to see more regulation. I think that people, you know, MPs are going to have their images ultimately put onto services like this and they're going to get angry and then they're going to try and put legislation in place um, that you know, counteracts it. So I think we're moving into that space now where governments are getting more and more involved with the internet, um, but hopefully, you know, they get steered in a direction that balances everyone's rights. And we will
0: keep talking about it from week to week. That is all we've got time for on the show this week. Benjamin Grab from Innovation Oz, thank you so much for being back on the show. And thank you very much for having me. And Meg Coffey, social media strategist, Thank you so much for joining us back on the show.
1: Always a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And with that, I shall leave you. My name has been Mark Fennell. I'll catch you next week for another edition of Download This Show.